right? Whether it's uh, sports or, or, you know, politics or history or whatever. Anytime you claim that something is the greatest, there is almost always somebody right there to, to disagree with you. This is one of those times, this is maybe the only time where there is no debate. This is the greatest thing that has ever happened to every single one of us. Because before this, we were all dead and going to hell. And after this, we all had the opportunity to rejoin God in heaven for eternity. Amen. Amen. Um, But like any great tragedy or any great thing, it is born out of tragedy, right? That is where the lower the low, the higher the high. That's that's what makes for a good story. And, and we see this great, amazing gift and this greatest thing come out of the, the worst thing. Jesus last week here on earth was, was the worst week any human had, had ever, ever experienced up till that point and since. And we're all f- familiar with that story, how, how Jesus enters, we celebrated last Sunday, Palm Sunday, him, him riding into town, everyone excited, everyone overjoyed at the idea that, that this Jesus is bringing miracles and, and is going to lead the, Israel, the, the nation of Israel into a new, new era of freedom. But within just a few short days, all of that's flipped on its head, and he is, he is betrayed by his friends. The, the political system, the, the, the religious leaders turn on him and, and, and plot his death. He is, he is taken before court after court and uh, perjured on him. They lie on him and all of these things. They accuse him of, of things he didn't do. He gets sentenced they, they whip him within the, uh, literally an inch of his life. He's beaten. He's mocked. His, his family and his friends are, are scattered. He's, he, he's alone. And ultimately, you know, he was, he was killed in the, the worst possible way. He died, a, died a, a, a lowly criminal's insulting death on a cross. Jesus suffered, and, and in this suffering, it wasn't just him, it was all of those that had placed their hope in him. Their hopes were destroyed. It was, it was a quick and traumatic loss. I don't, uh, you know, you, you, you'll, you'll read this story, and it, sometimes it was just really impressed on me this week as I was reading it, for, for the followers of Jesus, how quickly they went from ecstatic, about their future to completely devoid of any hope, right? Jesus' Jesus' death on the cross meant meant for them a a loss of hope in every area of their life. That first off, they they lost this this loved one, Jesus, this person that they had poured their their life into and and he had poured his life into them. They loved, they had followed for, for some of them for years, was gone. I mean, think about, think about the person that, that means the most to you, right? That, that pours into you, that loves you the most. And, and, you know, maybe you've lost them. Maybe it's a, a father, a, a, a mother, a friend. But imagine if that person was Jesus. The most loving 
person that has ever existed. The person who was able to actually look into your heart and your soul and speak into depths you didn't know were there. Imagine losing that person in such a horrible way. They lost a loved one. They also lost a, a, a whole worldview. It wasn't just a personal loss. This was a, a, an existential or a philosophical or a theological loss. This was the man that they thought was going to be this, their savior, and he was gone. Their religion, that what they believed for this life and the next was all up in the air now. Not only that, they, they, they lost their, their, their hope for personal safety. See, they had, pinned their, they had pinned their allegiance to this guy, and this guy was now gone, and the people that are in power were the ones that wanted him and everything that he stood for gone. So now they were in the crosshairs. It, it, they didn't have due process like, like we do now. It was, if, they, if they wanted to come for them, they probably would be able to get to them and, and make them go away just like Jesus. Their safety was gone. Their hopes were destroyed. But this is not Good Friday. This is Easter Sunday. And we know that that is not the end of the story. Amen? We know that, that this is just the beginning of the story. Even though it starts in darkness, it ends in light. And today we're going to be looking at Luke 24, which, which picks up the story Easter uh, Sunday morning. The greatest Sunday. You know, we are having a great time today. This is fun to come together and worship and celebrate. But this, I promise you, for the people that were involved in the first Easter Sunday, this is nothing. This is nothing to the moment that they heard because of the way they heard and what they had been through to get that message. It was a different kind of Sunday. You know, that old saying, today is the first day of the, the rest of your life. That Sunday was the first Sunday and maybe the only Sunday it was fully true. Jesus rises from the grave, and literally every other day after that is new because of that one day. Jesus had done the work. Our, our sins had been paid for. Death had been beaten once and for all. The curtain in the temple had been ripped from top to bottom, telling us that, hey, God is open for business, and we can come to him. We don't need an intermediary anymore. We have access to the Most High God for the first time in history. All of that was true. But here's one thing. The problem was, no one knew it. All of that had happened. Jesus had risen. The, the curtain was down. Access was made. But nobody knew it. The disciples, um, the, the Marys, I just call them the Marys because there's like a lot of them. Um, all of the, I just literally just this week in my studying, I found another Mary. I didn't realize that when they say Mary, it was a different, I, I didn't even know. I just, they need to get more creative with the names back then. Um, but the disciples, the Marys, all of the other followers of Jesus were still mourning his death, just in hopelessness and fear. And what we see in Luke 24 is Jesus, our literal, we sang about it this morning, our literal living hope come alive 
And now he is on a new mission, and that is to meet his people and open their eyes to the reality of what he had already done. I want to encourage you today that 2,000 years later, Jesus is still in the eye-opening business. He has already done the work. That doesn't change. There's nothing more he needs to do except for the fact that you and I, at times, in different ways, in different places in our life, need our eyes open to the reality that Jesus had already come and paid those prices and secured the victory for our lives. I don't know what's going on in your life today, but, but if there's a situation that you've lost hope, Jesus wants to open your eyes to his resurrection today. There's nothing more he needs to do for you except to help you see what he already has done for you. The strength that you need, Jesus has already made available. The miracle you need, Jesus has already given you the right to ask for it and the, and the access to receive it. The peace that you are lacking, Jesus has already, uh, already has a supply with your name on it. And just like those first followers of Jesus, uh, has already, he's already done the work, he's already paid the price, he's already accomplished the mission. We just have to see it. It has to come alive to us. In our text today, we're going we're gonna to look at a, a story. It's, it's, a, it's, not a, it's not the big flashy story. It's not, it's not the angels at the tomb. It's, a, it's, a, it's an intimate story, but I think it's a, it's a powerful one if we'll see it with fresh eyes today. It's a story of Jesus opening the eyes of some of those followers that had lost complete hope. And my prayer this morning is that, that Jesus would open our eyes, that through his word he would fill us with, with a new sense of hope and direction. God, we just ask that you bless your word as we, we read this morning. Would you visit with us? Would you change our, our minds and our hearts? Luke 24, um, starting in verse 1, we're going to read some text and then, and then we'll kind of look at it a little deeper. Um, Verse 1 says, But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb taking spices they had prepared. They had found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in. But they didn't find a body of, of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. And then the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee? That the Son of Man must be betrayed at the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that he had said this. So that's a little context. Here's, here's actually our, our part, beginning of our text today. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell the 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, uh, Joanna, Mary the mother of Jesus, several other women named Mary. Uh, <laughs> they told the apostles what had happened. Look at this. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men. So they couldn't believe it. Listen, their greatest hope had just been realized. All of the things that four days ago they were so sure was going to happen actually happened. But because of the last four days, they were too broken to recognize that it had. Their hope was dead even though Jesus wasn't. 
And because of that, they couldn't receive this great news. It couldn't make a dent in their hearts or their minds or their lives. So, so what does Jesus do? What does Jesus do when our, our hopes are dead? What, what does Jesus do when, when we have lost faith? What does Jesus do when, when we don't know where we are? He starts resurrecting our hope again. I love this about Jesus. I love this about this story. He doesn't just condemn us. He doesn't just do the work and expect us to catch up. He knows us. He knows we're not that good. He knows we don't have that much hope or that much faith. He knows our weakness. And so he not only secures all this stuff as if that's not enough, as if this poor guy hasn't done enough this week, now he's got to go convince all these people that say they love him that he did what he did. But he does it. And it's fascinating to me the way he chooses to do it. He, he could have done this any way he chose, right? He's, he's God. He's just done all the hard work. So now everything else is, is gravy. He, he, could have, he could have used all the special effects of heaven and just like magically transported everybody he wanted to talk to into like one you know, nice place, maybe a beach somewhere, um, some cabanas and food and you know, just comes flying out of heaven with a, you know, the whole, bring the whole angel choir and the whole deal. He could have done that. He, he, there was any number of ways he could have supernaturally announced to his people what was happening. But he doesn't do that. He takes a different approach. Verse 13 says, that same day, two of Jesus's followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. Seven miles from Jerusalem. So uh, I probably took them three hours. It's probably a three-hour walk um, in sandals with stuff. You know, there's not McDonald's every five feet like there is here. Like, got to bring your food, got to bring your water. I mean, I was born at the right time. Um. You know, people talk about the good old days or, you know, oh, I just wish I could have been around and Jesus don't. No. No. Listen, if I lived in these days, my life would exist of nothing but walking to and from the market. Because I am a horrible shopper. I go to Kroger like 1.5 times per day. Because I can never fully get everything on the list. I always forget. So my life, this is not a good time period for me. I need to be able to get things quickly. But they're here in seven miles. So they have, they're walking the seven miles from Jerusalem back to Emmaus, their home. They're heading out of town. They're, they're giving up on this whole Messiah thing. Listen, the, 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 the disciples uh, the, are still there. They're still in Jerusalem. The group of the community is still trying to, reeling, obviously, and trying to figure out what to do. But, but presumably this couple said, what are we staying here for? What? What, we're just, we're, we gotta get, we gotta get out of here. Who knows if, if Pilate, who knows if the religious leaders are gonna come after us. We're just going home. And so they're heading back to their house. They're giving up on the whole Messiah thing. And then in verse 14 it says, as they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. 
naturally trying to process all of this. And as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. What? It's <laughs> the God of the universe just saved everybody in humanity. And his, first, his, first, his next, his highest on his priority is to find these two deserters on the road and not tell them who he is. It's incredible. What is he doing? Well, he's doing what Jesus does. The, the first thing he does is, is he meets them where they are. He meets them where they are. Verse 17, the, the story plays out. He asks them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? And they, they stop short. And this, this, this verse gives you such a good picture of kind of where they're at. They stop short, sadness written across their faces. One of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened in the past few days. What things, Jesus asked. That had to be really hard to get out without laughing. You know, so much of the time we read scripture and, and we read Jesus and we get this like ghostly 1970s, the Jesus story version of like this holy zombie walking around. Jesus had a, you can't take an honest look at scripture and not, not recognize that Jesus had a great sense of humor. I mean, this story in itself is if it's if it, it's nothing if it's not playful, right? He's he's choosing to hide himself, and he because he, he wants to he wants to bring them along, and we're, we're going to see all these all the reasons why he does that. But but he still has his fun in the process. What things Jesus asked? They replied, "The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth." They said he was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped, we had hoped, we don't have it anymore. But we had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. And then, then some women from our group of, of, of his followers were at his tomb early the next morning. And they came back with this amazing report. They said that the body was missing. And they, they had seen angels who told them that Jesus is alive. And some of our men ran out to sea. And sure enough, the body was gone. Just as the women ha had said. Here we see Jesus not just meeting with them. But he's actually walking, walking with them. He's listening to them. He's spending time with them. Remember, this is a three-hour march. This is not a, you know, a walk down the street to the corner store. He just saved the whole world, and he's spending quality time with a couple of nobodies. He's enjoying their company. He, he's asking questions to get them to share their story and their pain. Listen, if this story doesn't te teach us anything, it teaches us that Jesus cares about how you feel. 
He's interested in hearing you, not, not just your right answers, not just the Sunday school solutions that, that we were taught are the right answers. He wants to hear what's really in your heart. He wants to know what's really on your mind. He's patient. He knows that, that to get you to the place where he wants you and knows you need to be, you've got to be honest about and be willing to express where you really are. So he, he, he allows them the, the, the opportunity to just pour their heart out. But he also doesn't just leave them there. Verse 25 says, Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people. Now that sounds harsh, but it's really, it's, it's really more playful than harsh. It's more like, you guys are silly. You know, it's kind of that, it's kind of got that tone to it. Uh, you find it so hard to believe that all the prophets wrote in Scripture, all that the prophets wrote in Scriptures, wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer for all these things before entering his glory? And Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from, from all the Scriptures the things concerning himself. So he meets them. He hears them. He listens to them. But he doesn't just leave them there. Next, he illuminates Scripture so they can see him in it. He helps them see how what's happening fits into God's plan. This is, this is another part of what, what Jesus wants to do as he opens our eyes in our own lives. He wants to help us see how what's happening fits into his good plan through Scripture. Jesus loves them and, and us too much to let us stay in our ignorance. I think it's also telling that, that he starts by, make, by using Scripture itself as a, a primary source for, for this truth-telling. He's, he's not only doing it because it's effective, but he's doing it, he's modeling, he's training us. Like, hey, if you, want, if you need to know me, if you need your eyes open, if you want to know what to do when you're lost, when you're confused, this is where you go first. If you're looking for me, this is where I am. I am in Scripture. I'm all over Scripture. He could have just revealed himself in that moment, but he didn't. He walks them through this process. And the story continues, 28 says, By the time they were nearing Emmaus, so they're getting towards the end of this seven miles and the end of their journey, Jesus, again, with the kind of silliness, Jesus acted as if he was going on. Like, hi guys, all right, it's nice meeting you. But they, they begged him to stay, stay the night with us. It's getting so late. It's, it's, it's so, so, so he went into the home with them. And as, as they sat down, here's the best part of the story. As they sat down, he took the bread, he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to them. And suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. This guy that they've been walking next to for the last three hours, having this intent conversation about him, they finally recognize who it was they've been walking next to this whole time. And the moment they recognize him, poof, he disappears. Like just literally like, you know, magic show, poof, cloud of smoke, gone. 
And they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained scripture to us? So they have this incredible revelation of Jesus. And then after the fact, they go, oh, that's why that felt different. I think it's a, I relate to that because I don't know if you've ever had this experience. Um, if you haven't learned this yet, I, I, I offer you this. Um, many times in our lives, God does something in us or to us before we recognize that he was ever there. part of the reason why we can have hope that God God can be doing something significant in your life in this very moment and it may be a week a month a year never before you recognize the significant deep powerful work that God is doing in your life right now but in this case he he shows himself to them they they recognize the moment because um because he he does and and this is at this point, at some point, at some moment, uh, when we're ready to receive, there's a moment where Jesus just chooses to do what Jesus is going to do and change us. Discipleship is, is important, us participating in the process, us looking at Scripture, us praying, us, us making wise choices, all of the things that we know to be a good Christian we should do. But at the end of the day, transformation, your life changes because at some moment Jesus says, change. Not because you did all of those other things. We have this moment where he just supernaturally opens their eyes. And it happens to us. And it changes us. It changes uh, the way we see our situation. It changes our attitude. It even changes our plans. Listen, Jesus isn't in the information business. He's in the transformation business. He doesn't just want you to know stuff. He wants you to be different. He doesn't just want truth, us to know truth. He wants the truth to change us from the inside out. When we, when we look at the story, we see exactly that. Their eyes are opened. They recognize who Jesus is. And immediately they are changed. Their plans are changed. Their attitude is different. Look at verse 33. He says, And within the hour they were on their way back to Jerusalem. Well, wait a minute. I thought it was... I thought it was so late and you can't even go on to another place because we need to eat and go to bed. Now, they are back on the road seven miles, remember. We're not, it's not too dark, it's not too far. All of a sudden, hey, let's go, let's go. To rejoin the others. That night, they run out. It's late. They don't care. They're just, they're so, they are, their attitude, they're so full of joy where they were hopeless before. The time and the inconvenience and the fatigue are just gone. Have you ever had this experience where you're just beat, looking forward to bed or whatever, and then something happens? And all of a sudden, maybe you get some, you know, some good news. Some really good news. You find out you're, you know, you're, someone in your family's having a baby, you know, like literally having a baby, and you got to get to the hospital, or, you know, one of these things, where all of a sudden the fatigue doesn't matter anymore. All of a sudden I'm not tired. All of a sudden, you know, 
TV doesn't matter and food doesn't matter and we're going. They were, they were discouraged and hopeless. And now they've rejoined this community. And, and, and look, not only are they just back with everybody, they're, they're participating. They, they find, so they get back to Jerusalem. There they find the 11 disciples. And they, they gathered uh, with them who said, the Lord is risen, he appeared to Peter. And then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him as they were breaking bread. I would have loved to hear the rest of that conversation trying to explain to the rest of the disciples how you had a three-hour conversation with the man we've been following for the last three years and you didn't recognize him? But their eyes were open. I don't know. This is what happened. Their hearts were filled with joy and wonder and strength and hope because Jesus' resurrection became real to them. And it can become real to us when we focus on Him. I'm going to invite the worship team back up. We're going to close here in just just a moment. I want to end this, this, this time in just, just a moment of gratitude and, and give you an opportunity to respond to that resurrection. It can be real for you today as well. Maybe, maybe for the first time, maybe you've never, you've never had a relationship with God, but Jesus, maybe you've never, you've never asked Him to forgive you of your sins. You've never acknowledged that you need a God in your life. Or maybe you've, maybe you, you know, it's the thousandth time. Maybe you're like me and you, you know, literally like born right there. I was born in the pew. Like it's probably that one. Um, And this is your 79th Easter Sunday. (laughs) If I got sick this morning, I probably could have emailed you and you could have just come up here and done it because you, 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 you've been in so many of these. It, it doesn't matter. Jesus can still open our eyes anew every time, every day, any moment. He can surprise us just walking along the road, talking to some guy, and then all of a sudden, before you know it, poof, there's Jesus. And so I, I invite you to... Ask the Lord this morning to open your eyes to to his resurrection and to his life inside of your life. Would you stand with me? We're just going to sing one last song. And I just want to give us an opportunity to to pray before we do that. God, we we thank you for your resurrection power. God, we, we thank you that not only are you so big that you saved us all, but that you are so personal that you reach us one on one. God, we just give you this moment. We ask, Lord, would you open our eyes? Holy Spirit, would you give each of us eyes to see your your plan, your activity in our lives today? If you're here this morning and and you've and maybe as I mentioned, you've never made Jesus your Jesus, now is a great time. It's super. It's not complicated. It's a it's a big thing, but it's not a complicated thing. You just 
is simply just, you ask him, you just tell him. Say, you just say, you acknowledge that, that you are not God and you, 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 are, you fall short and you need a Savior to cover, forgive your mistakes and to lead you, to guide you and to change you. God, for the rest of us, just ask that your, your living hope would, would just fall on us this morning, that we would be uh, not only recipients, but exporters of that hope. That we would, if, some, if anyone came in today feeling like those, those two on the Emmaus Road on their way out of town, God, we pray that you would open our eyes so that we would be the, uh, the couple on Emmaus Road walking, running, chasing back into town full of the reality of what you've done for us and how our lives are forever different. God, we worship you this morning. Amen.
Amen. Amen. God, we thank you. We love you. Words mean nothing compared to what you've done for us, but it's all we got, so we'll give them all day, every day. We love you and thank you. Go with us as we we go out into our, our day and our week with our eyes open to your resurrection power. We love you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Happy Easter. God bless. Let's try it one more time. Let me hear you. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed.